Hello there, my little mincemeat tartlets. How are you today? It's your lovely host of Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. It's Chappie, the British butler. I'm in the warmth of my own kitchen today. Well, I've actually turned the heat down. It's not that warm, but hopefully we'll get things bubbling and a bustling fairly soon. It's 148th episode of Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. And straight off the bat today, I'm going to be making and sharing with you the recipe for the best mincemeat in the world. Unbelievably easy mince pies. Uh, my mother's recipe, my mum's recipe. Uh, and I'll be sharing that with you. And my biggest suggestion for you is don't rely on anybody else's mincing, darlings. Mince yourself. To be a good mincer, you have to get right up onto tippy toe. No, 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 no. But with my heffalump weight, I can't get up onto tippy toe. So, but the perfect mincemeat, the perfect mincemeat you need to make it yourself. Do not rely on those sugary saccharin jars of mincemeat. It really doesn't work. It's not going to do you any good. The taste isn't there. It's just too bloody sweet. So I'm going to give you a recipe that's basically foolproof. I've added a little bit to it. I've add, added my own, uh, my own little shenanigans to this recipe and I think you'll enjoy it. Just sort of spicing things up a little bit, getting it more berry-tastic basically. Uh, because I, I don't mind the raisins, but, you know, I like some other berries thrown in. So here's what you need to do. And you should have really made this in November. I'm so far behind the game here at the moment. But it's still going to work out rather nicely. Don't worry. Don't worry, chaps and chabazzas. We shall be fine. But for this recipe, and um, I'm going to sort of repeat this again for you. And I can very... If you, if you message me on Instagram at KeepCoinColorFloatCheese, I'll gladly give you the recipe. But anyway, so what you need is half a cup of shredded, shredded suet. It's like Sean Connery, almost my opinion. We've got a half a cup of shredded suet. No, so suet is interesting, to say the least. So the primary use of suet is to make tallow, although it's also used as an ingredient in cooking, such as traditional baked puddings, mince pies, and Christmas puddings. Suet's made into tallow, it's a process called rendering, involves melting, extracting, simmering, followed by straining, then cooling. The entire process is usually repeated to refine the product, but it's basically raw, hard fat of beef, lamb, mutton, or found around the loins in the kidney. You know, it's perfect, actually, if you want to get rid of those bags under your eyes. It's, it, before you go to sleep, get, get a whole sort of loin of suet and just... It just you know, cut it into little circles. Forget cucumber in your eyes. Suet on your eyes will get rid of that puffiness. Those eye bags in the morning, absolutely perfect for that. So anyway, so you don't worry about the suet. I'm not going to. I'm not going to discuss it. I don't think I could ever get an American to uh, eat a cup of suet. I don't think allowed that. I mean, it's so good for the indigestion. That was really good, and the bags under the eyes, as I said. So anyway, I'm going to get half a cup of butter, yeah, non-salted butter nice creamy Irish butter, half a cup of grated apple, two cups of mixed fruit, sultanas, currants, raisins. Now, just for you Yanks out there, the sultana is the golden raisin. It's a golden raisin. Yeah, I mean, the golden raisin sounds absolutely fantastic, doesn't it? You know, it sounds like a, it sounds like a Hollywood superstar raisin. Um, but no, it's sultanas or golden raisins. But I've added a mixed berry in there. So some uh, cranberries, uh, dried cranberries, craisins, and uh, some cherries as well. I like those going in. Uh, along with that, you need half a cup of brown sugar, 
the rind and juice of lemon orange, nutmeg, cinnamon, mixed spice, love some mixed spice, spice up your life, babies, and uh, a few cherries, as I said, and some brandy. I actually have some sherry. I'm going to put a dash of sherry in there. That'll be absolutely lovely. I do have the most rock and roll Google searches out there. I have like the Miss Marple of Google searches. I said, can you use sherry in a mince pie mixture? That's how I was Googling. I mean, other people are Googling gaming. They're Googling the metaverse. They're Googling pornography. I'm Googling, can you put sherry into mincemeat? Yeah, I tell you something. I am, I am the biggest star. Joe Rogan, just walk away. I'm the biggest rock and roll star in podcasting. There's no doubt about that. So anyway, we've got all the ingredients together in a big glass bowl. I've got all the, all the berries, dried berries, craisins. I've got the uh, raisins mixed in there as well. And the golden raisins, the sultanas are in there. I have the uh, butter replacing the suet on one side here. And uh, we're going to mix it all up, shake it all up right after this. Okay, so I have the berries in a glass container. I have assortment of tangerines, the apples, some, more, some tangerine peel, an orange. I'm going to blitz this all up. But first of all, I'm going to blitz. I mean, for those who don't believe I'm actually doing this, these are some of the things I did earlier. It's very, very blue Peter. Some of these things I did make earlier. So I'm putting the rind and the apple into a food processor. I don't want to break my fingers down. I have very delicate fingers. I almost have the piano fingers of Liberace. I promise you that. So I don't want to uh, necessarily uh, make a real mess here of my fingers by grating them down. So I'm using a food processor and I'm gonna pop the lid on. And here we go, just excuse me a second here. Oh. I mean, it might help if I actually, uh, but yes, it may help if I actually plug in the bugger. I tell you something, us, us rock and roll chefs, they're not even plugging the damn thing in here. Okay, so it's sort of pulverized nicely. Some of it shot out and hit the uh, hit the Macintosh, so to speak. I have um, a whole film of uh, orange and tangerine peel and apple right over my glasses. I can barely see anything anymore. That's only you need, really need to put a lid on the food processor. That's, that's basically rule 101. So anyway, I'm gonna take this lovely mixture of rind. It's got juicy tangerines. I'm gonna scoop this out. And I'm gonna put this into the uh, big old uh, glass dish of mixed berries. So the rind, I'm putting that in there. Lovely little, lovely little accoutrement into the, uh, into the mixed berries here. Mix it round nicely. And it really smells like Christmas now. The tangerine, that beautiful Christmassy smell that you get this time of year. So I'm also going to put the juice of orange in. So I'm going to amp up the smell of Christmas even more. I'm going to amp it up and ramp it up, baby. Here. So I'm going to squeeze this orange in here. Oh, it's not the juiciest orange in the world, I have to be honest, but 
how do you get your orange juice here? How do, do, you, do you look at the pores of the orange? If the pores are wide apart, does that mean the orange juice here? Oh, I've completely, uh, I completely buggered up my uh, tool that I use to peel things now. That serves you right. It's cheap equipment, chappy. Never use cheap kitchen equipment here. I'm gonna squeeze in the rest of the juice. That's absolutely fantastic there. Yes. It really is the essence of Christmas. So I'm also going to, I might put in a few more cherries. I like some dried cherries in my, uh, in my delicious mincemeat mixture here. The beauty about this though, is I'm not gonna make it really, really sweet because the stuff you get in the store when you mincemeat you buy is just so terribly sweet. So I'm gonna add a few more, a few more cherries in here, just a little bit of dash of color, that uh, little essence of bitterness. And then I'm doing half a cup of brown sugar I'm putting in the mixture as well. I mean, the pastry itself is gonna be very, very sweet. So you don't need to necessarily over-sweeten things because you know what? You do want to have teeth after Christmas. You know, the, the older song of oil for Christmas, two front teeth, if you put all the sugar in, and if you use the shop-bought mincemeat, you're not gonna have any teeth for Christmas or afterwards or any other time. So anyway, so I've got the brown sugar in there. I've got the berries, I've got the rind, I've got the juice of the oranges. As I said, the smell of Christmas here. I'm gonna take a cinnamon stick because we're gonna basically put this in here uh, overnight. I mean, if you could leave it for like weeks and keep feeding it brandy or sherry or whatever you want, that's even better. So I'm gonna put a cinnamon stick in there just for the essence of that. Make sure you pull it out afterwards because, I mean, that could also, you might need dental work after that. Um, if you, you don't want your guests biting onto a, onto a cinnamon stick. I mean, that could ruin the holiday season for them. So I'm gonna put in the butter now as well, adding the butter, little bits of cut up butter, half a stick's worth, and then the lovely smell of ground allspice. It's basically cloves, cinnamon, nutmeg. I put this in a lot of Indian food as well. And this really is the smell of Christmas as well. So I've added that to uh, probably like uh, half a teaspoon, as much as you really want. You want to do the spices you want. And then I have the, the sherry. If you like some brandy, I'm gonna put some sherry in. Nice gluggen. Now that's actually a technical cooking term. Indeed, it's a gluggen. So a gluggen of sherry in there and you mix it all round and let it all fester and ferminate and everything else. You need to give it a bit of time to breathe. I'm gonna deliver it a day, but that is your mincemeat-tastic. If you want to be the master of mincing this Christmas, there is the unbelievably easy mum's mincemeat pie recipe. Oh my gosh, it smells wonderful. That is true aromatherapy, the smell of the alcoholic soaked mincemeat. Oh my gosh, it smells delicious. It smells very boozy, very citrusy. It's like the perfect Christmas smell. Seriously, it is aromatherapy. It really clears the nostrils and also moves everybody into that happy Christmassy spirit. It's one of the best smells ever. I think anyway, absolutely beautiful smell it may even beat bacon it could even beat bacon 
So some of the things that we may or may not be discussing on this edition of the aforementioned Keep Calm and indeed Cauliflower Cheese. And it's, you know, we've got quite a lot going on today in the show. I did yesterday talk to you about seeing a beautiful doe, beautiful deer. It was in the, uh, in the wood, in the little copse near my house. Put a picture on Instagram. That is something else that sort of enlivens the senses and, and uh, really, it's a wonderful thing, thing to see. Beautiful wild animals up close like that. So have any of you had a long break from the gym and then decided to start going back to the gym the week of Christmas? Well, that was a suggestion that was made to me. And you know what? I was appalled. I thought it was abhorrent to begin with. But I think thinking about it, it sort of makes some sense. I'll be explaining my theories later. Also, look up Vegan Yogi Viking on Instagram. This guy is definitely <laughs> a key influencer. He's, he's, a, he's quite the character, to say the least. Um, also, I'm getting my Scrooge on. I decided to make a potato and leek soup. And I did wonder at one point if I'd be uh, visited by Jacob Marley. But I think uh, Scrooge had sort of potato soup or stew just before he went to bed. And it was giving him terrible indigestion. And uh, that's what he thought it was. It was indigestion rather than uh, three ghosts visiting him in the, during the course of the night, the frozen night. But uh, yeah, potato soup really does, uh, does warm one's cockles on a winter's eve. Also... <laughs> this is something that is quite interesting. So if you have a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever way you're inclined or whichever train you like to travel on, um, do you have a series that you're watching together, but then maybe you don't see them for a few days and you still want to watch that series? We'll be talking about that later on on the podcast. Uh, also, uh, I've got some new interesting neighbors right above me. We'll be talking about that on the podcast as well today. Also, I feel like my father might be getting quite zen. I think he's beginning to sort of feel the aura, the sort of chakras. And uh, I'll be explaining why later on. I, I really feel that he's beginning to find his inner self. All will be explained, I, I do promise you. I found a new type of nut as well. In the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep and I discovered this nut. It wasn't like the remnants of a nut that I'd cracked in the bed or anything. No, 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 no. It's a nut I saw on Instagram. It's advertising to me. And also, I found a new way of cracking nuts. I can't find nutcrackers anymore. Have you, have you ever come across nutcrackers in the last 15 years? Where do you get them from? Anyway, I found the perfect solution to crack one's nuts this Christmas. Stay along the way. How early do you pour a glass of something special on Christmas Day? How often do you start boozing? Are you a mimosa in the morning with, uh, with a bacon sandwich or something along those lines? Well, Carol Midgey, uh, who writes for the London Times, asked the question, how early we can pour a Christmas Day drink? So Greg Wallace, the master chef judge in the UK, 
whose manic grinning on TV reminds us all of Jack Nicholson and Shining, has revealed that on Christmas Day he starts drinking at 6.30am. Well, that's a very extreme claim, but given the exceptionality of Christmas, December the 25th, totally believe him. Shesmidgley, we aren't quite as hardcore, says Carol, but it's rare that when something fizzy hasn't passed the lips before noon. Most often, while still wearing pyjamas and on an empty stomach. That's the mimosa thing. Because, as the Wallaces know, Christmas Day is just like being at an airport. No, not because it's filled with tat and stress, though there's that. It's because normal alcohol rules evaporate. Alcohol units don't count and are uncounted on Christmas Day. Just as on holiday, you leap aboard uh, in your shorts without a care, the brain tells you this is a brief alternate universe. Three years ago, a survey found that most British people reached for their first snifter at 11.54 a.m. That late. Pa, which there's another, there's another survey from 2013. This is a little bit more reasonable. More realistic, 9.05 a.m. Ed Miliband, the politician, made headlines once when he revealed he tried to lay off drink until 4 p.m. on Christmas. This probably tells us a lot about the country, really. But you know what? If you've had enough turkey, you're probably asleep at that point. So I could be wrong. When I talked about making myself some potato leek soup the other day, I honestly thought that's what Ebenezer Scrooge had on the hob by the fire just before he went to bed and just before he was visited by Jacob Marley. I mean, if you look back at... Can I give a very nerdy English literature text here? Scrooge ate a bowl of gruel before his first visitor arrived. Thus secured against surprise, he took off his cravat, put down his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap and sat down before the fire to take his gruel. So, I thought it was potato soup, but gruel is a food consisting of some type of cereal such as oats, wheat, rye, rice, heated and boiled in water or milk. It's thinner version of porridge that may also be drunk rather than eaten and may not even need to be cooked. Historically, gruel has been a staple of the Western diet, especially for peasants. Gruel is made from millet, hemp, barley. I mean, a little bit of hemp in there, you could get high in the gruel, high in the hog and high in the gruel, and some barley. In hard times, also from chestnut flour, Uh, or less bitter acorns and some oaks. Gruel is a colloquial expression for any water or liquidy food unknown in cracks such as pea or potato soup. So I am still right. But I think that's the weird thing. I had those weird dreams that I talked about the other day where basically I wasn't allowed to eat a fungus breakfast, but I had to eat a six foot long sub. And then I had a pet Egyptian dog, uh, the uh, Anulus. So yes, (laughs) The, the potato soup also gave me dreams, but I wasn't visited by three spirits that night. Well, maybe eggnog baileys and a dash of scotch. I mentioned this on the podcast before. My barber, I'm going to try to get one more visitor before Christmas to cut these luscious locks. She's still incredibly upset with me about... Uh, on che- I cheated on her, basically, with another barber at Floyd's Haircut. Now, Floyd's, uh, basically, yeah, they didn't do as I asked. I was, I was, that's when I was working alongside, or trying to work alongside a barber who didn't talk. I mentioned this before. 
But my my barber, who's absolutely fantastic, she is embittered by the whole situation. She still is. She says it could take years to get it back to how you wanted it to be. It could take years, I tell you. But I said to her, I said, I'm so sorry. But the reason I did it is my hair has needs. So here's a very fun game you can uh, play with your partner this Christmas. No, it's nothing like that. Come on now. Dirty. I said dirty. So I don't know if you have the same problem as I do. I mean, I have trouble with fitted sheets, but I also have trouble with pillows. Why, Why are pillows these days such a snug fit, the pillowcases on the pillows? I can't get them on there. I mean, I think you need like tiny little trump hands to be able to, uh, you know, get the pillowcase over the pillow. So what I've actually started doing, and you know, some people see it as a game, some people may see it as my own ineptitude, is uh, I started getting uh, the big pillows, and uh, all the small, sorry, the smaller pillows, and putting big pillowcases on the pillows. I mean, it's no skin off my nose to be able to do that, um, but it, you know, can rile up rile up the one close to you who wants the perfect pillow matching the perfect pillowcase but it's rather fun to do and it's so easy i mean i struggle over putting pillowcases on uh, misfitting pillows for probably like 30 minutes or so I, I have real trouble getting getting it on so to speak but yeah just th- th- this christmas holidays just try it just get a get a big pillowcase and, uh, and put a small pillow in there and see how long it takes them to realize the rather fun festive game you're playing. Would you believe it? The Marks and Spencers Christmas Jumper is the clergy's new festive uniform. Marks and Spencers 19pound 50 black Christmas jumper embellished with the simple word believe has answered the prayers of Christians across Britain who have flocked to snap up their new clergy uniform. Female priests have raved about the jumper on social media, striking a chord. A Baptist minister, Lee Goodwood, said, Do you think Marks and Spencers have realized they've become the unofficial suppliers of clergy's Christmas uniforms? The Reverend Kate Botley, a priest in Nottinghamshire, who made appearances on MasterChef and Gogglebox, said, Never one to shy away from the bandwagon like most clerics. I've bought the jumper from Marks and Spencers, hashtag Team Believe. So many have shared photos of themselves. The Reverend Claire Jones from Truro tweeted, Hey, at uh, hashtag Team Believe, great to see all your pictures. A couple of hundred of us female clergy are putting our pictures together in a big photo montage. If you fit that description and uh, you like the picture included, let me know. Hope it goes without saying it's great that lay people and men are wearing them too. A jumper for indeed all. However, not everybody's prayers for the cheery festive clothing has been answered particularly as the retailer's menswear version has replaced Believe with Ding Dong, Ding Dong, <laughs> which is probably more suited to bell ringers. <laughs> uh, requests have been issued for Marks & Spencer for larger versions as the women's extra-large size jumper is too small to fit some of the male clergy. Yeah, it's a whole big and tall thing, isn't it? I, I, don't, I, don't, have enough, I don't have problems buying sweaters to fit around the uh, the girth the belly is the length that I have a problem with. They're not long enough. They're not covering the bottom. You know, and, and you know what it's like if you bend over. You know, they should be showing your bottom crack. You know, that's not the sort of pork crackling you want to be seeing at Christmas time. 
And Richard Friff, Canon uh, uh, presenter at Southwell Minister, wrote, I loathe Christmas jumpers with consuming passion. Seasonal consumerism at the worst when schools expect them to be worn by children who have grown out of them by next year. He sounds a little bit of a Grinch, doesn't he? But the hashtag Team Believe Jumpers, uh, they do wish there was a menswear version. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the sort of um, ding dong sounds a little bit more like Terry Thomas than uh, something a clergy would be wearing. So from clergy to cannabis, the biggest cannabis brownie in the world with more than 20 grams of marijuana ingredients, THC, has been created by a team in the US this week. Uh, and now is up to sale, bringing a new meaning to the term getting baked. Weighing in at 385 kilograms, 850 pounds, and measuring 90 centimeters, 36 inches wide, and 40 centimeters high, it was baked to celebrate National Brownie Day and contains more than 20 grams of THC, the active ingredient in marijuana. Mary Med, a cannabis company based in Massachusetts, took 24 hours to cook it using 1,344 eggs, 130 kilograms of sugar, 96 kilograms of sugar, 37 kilograms of flour, that's uh, 55 kilograms of cocoa powder. The brownie is so heavy it needs to be a reinforced table to support it. I mean, it keeps basically falling down, much like anybody who actually tries to eat any of it. One of the hardest parts was stabilizing it, says Ryan Crandall. One of the team told uh, Huffington Post, we built a pallet and some supporters to fortify the table. It sat on uh, to ensure it was safe. Despite its mind-bending size and potency, the brownie fall, uh, falls within the maximum legal limit of THC concentration, equivalent to 4,000 ordinary, ordinary cannabis edibles. Mary Med intends to sell it as medical marijuana patients in Massachusetts. By far the biggest cannabis edible ever created but it will not be eligible for the Guinness World Records. It's said to uh, apply to have it creation considered by the publishers, but it no longer accepts applications related to the consumption, preparation, or use of tobacco, cannabis, or nicotine products. I think it'll be a bit dangerous for whoever licks the bowl clean or anything like that. But there's probably still a lot of cannabis and THC hanging around in that bowl. I mean, these guys definitely need to get off their high horse or maybe get onto their high horse, potentially. We all love binge watching now, don't we? But if you're watching something with your partner, your wife, uh, your lover, and let's say you don't see them for a few days, but you're so into this show, you still want to watch it. How many of you feigned, forgotten, whatever you want to call it, you've watched it on your own, maybe on your tablet, and then... You go, oh, darling, I really want to see the next episode of Succession or maybe Curb Your Enthusiasm or whatever it is. And you sort of, oh, well, this is, looks pretty good. And you've actually seen it and probably memorize it word for word. But you're just pretending you uh, this is the first time in the world you've ever seen this particular episode. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like crack itself. You get addicted to these shows. You don't want to stop watching it. But you may have to take a pause for a week or so. And there's a sort of unwritten rule. I mean, it's like a bit like doctors with the Hippocratic Oath. You make an oath to your partner that you will not watch the show without them. But then you sneakily watch it on your iPad or something along those lines. I mean, you just can't help it. You just want to see the next episode and you cannot wait. It's like seeing a Christmas present to the one side. Everybody's done it. A small Christmas present when they're a child. And they decide that, you know what, 
nobody will notice that one's gone, so I'm going to unwrap it. Like my dear sister did, and then my mother discovered the wrapping paper under the bed. This is one of the most beautiful things that I, uh, I saw in the week. And it was, I think, um, on Instagram. And it was after some snow fell in Derbyshire. And uh, it's entitled Quiet White. So quietly, the river Wye slips through the Derbyshire fields between the wild grasses and beneath the overhanging trees. This is always a favorite view of mine in every season, but this recent snow transformed it into a little slice of winter magic, the branches dripping tiny crystals of ice into the water. So beautiful, a winter wonderland. There's little artificially intelligent elves advertising, selling to me, being sneaky, have been at their brilliant best yet again, where they advertise brilliant deals inside extra 30% off final hours. So the choices that I had, I could have a haircut and a partial uh, balage, if that's what it is. But more interesting to me, I could have waxing, Brazilian waxing, a full Brazilian wax at the beauty lounge. And then after that, so I could have 30% of my Brazilian wax. Well, hopefully they wouldn't do 30%. They would do, you know, the 100% because I mean, well, I mean, what's 30%? That's not even a landing strip. That's like bushy one side and shaved on the other side. I mean, that probably wouldn't work. But after you've had your Brazilian wax, you can go and do a drive through holiday lights. So you can show off your Brazilian wax by going for a holiday light drive through illuminating. So we're continuing our Crimbo feature of Last Christmas. I gave you a cover version of Last Christmas. Uh, we cannot play Wham because of the whole Whamageddon games. You know, I warn you, next week I am playing Wham's Last Christmas Pudding Mix. But until then, we do have uh, another version of Last Christmas. And this version is the lovely Zoe Deschanel's little band, She and Him. And it's the She and Him version of Last Christmas. And we need to equate afterwards how many ho... Are they going to get one ho, two hoes, or a ho-ho-ho? after listening to the tune on the Butler Musical Emporium edition of the podcast. Okay, so She and Him, version of Last Christmas, I Gave You My Heart, the lovely Zoe Deschanel. So how many how many hoes do you think they're going to get? You need, I mean, if you're not listening to the Butler Emporium edition, then you need to put the song on and then you need to rate it. But let's see how many hoes Santa's going to give Last Christmas by She and Him. Wow, that's quite a lot of hoes, and you get a Merry Christmas at the end. I think it was a pretty good version, like the guitar, love the voice, and I just can't get her out of my mind when it comes to Elf, but she was absolutely fantastic uh, when she's uh, singing the version of Baby It's Cold Outside, an Elf. So I have some new neighbors. Well, I think they're new, because I never had this problem before. But I woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, George, the Border Collie, was very, very restless. And I'd like opened up one eye and I could hear some rather gentle moaning uh, that was really working its way up to a crescendo. Yes, my neighbors uh, upstairs uh, in Chappie Towers 
were having a right rollicking carnal session. Yes. It was hammer and tongs, or maybe hammer and tongues. I mean, I just don't want to explore that or look into that anymore. Yes, yes. I mean, it was quite vociferous, to say the least. Anyway, I thought, I, I need some earplugs or something. Or a broom to bang on the top of the wall or something like that. But George the Border Collie had the perfect reaction. George the Border Collie lifted her head, looked up, and then collapsed with a huge sigh. The perfect reaction. Oi, it's Trumple Trombone. Hello, 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 it's Trumple Trombone. So, we have a student who has claimed he has bizarre love affairs with inanimate objects and finds them sexually attractive. Nurul Majabin Hassan, who prefers to be known as the Fractal Database, said he identifies as objectum sexual, which means he finds objects more romantically and emotionally and sometimes sexually attractive than people. The 24-year-old has claimed to have a handful of human relationships, has said that it doesn't compare to the relationships that he has with his love of technology and random objects. One wonders if he prefers the lightning uh, connector cable or the USB to C connector. <laughs> maybe just putting it out there. Or maybe he prefers the old fashioned headphone socket to, uh, to hands free. I mean, it just no. So, anyway, he's self confessed tech nerd, claims he has allegedly had flings with IKEA furniture, the computer game Tetris, and now the software Google Cloud. Not a fetish as he bases his attraction on the ancient belief of animism. So there we go. Uh, they must be quite long affairs, though, because it takes an age to put that type of furniture together. Residents of a quaint village have left fuming after a Christmas tree that looks like a penis was put up. The phallic-looking Christmas tree has led... There's so many stories about phallic-looking Christmas trees. Oh dear, let's hope the needles don't drop too early. Has led angry locals to lodge several complaints with authorities, including to Ren TV. It's located in the village of Vitim in the Lensky district of Russia, Far Eastern Republic, on Saka. I mean, they need to get Putin riding in on a horse, bare chested, to keep the tree up. That's the only way you're going to keep it up. Due to the furious backlash, authorities in Vitim have been forced to tell local media that the Christmas tree is. Still being worked on, specifying that it's going to need extra branches to make it less penis-shaped. The uh, spokesman said they're aiming for more traditional look with baubles <laughs> and decorations will also be added. I mean, apparently there's many angels and fairies who are queuing up to sit on top of the tree. <laughs> and finally, a chunky squirrel gets stuck in a bird feeder after eating all the nuts. Um, they should really downgrade the nut selection from chocolate-covered almonds, methinks. Time for another Fireside Butler ghost tale for Christmas. The creepy crest at Pencart Castle. The grand Pencart Castle in Lothian, Scotland is an impressive pile dating from the 16th century. One famous story of the castle is of a beggar 
Alexander Hamilton, who one night in the 17th century rapped on the door of the great house, seeking food and shelter. Told to clear off, he cursed the family, and a few days later, the lady of the house and her daughter died of mysterious illness. Hamilton was tried as a witch, brutally tortured and executed in Edinburgh. His ghost is said to haunt the old laird's mansion since then. But also at Pencart on a cold, dark Christmas night in 1923, Family and friends were gathered in the music room singing carols. A carved wooden family crest was witnessed by everybody to creakily slowly lean forward away from the wall, pause, and then return to its former position. Good job it stayed on the wall or the family would have been crestfallen. Last night I had a first. I was watching the new brilliant Dugray Scott show Crime on Britbox. And for the first time ever, there was a series of Scottish accents that I just couldn't understand. I mean, Dugray's fine. Most of the characters were fine. But I actually had to put on the subtitles. So, I mean, if I'm finding it difficult, I'm just wondering what the rest of the populace around the world are thinking when they're hearing this incredibly confusing colloquialisms with the Scottish accent. Hmm? My mum and dad finally put up their Christmas tree. I think my father was doing the lion's share of, uh, of the decorating there. But I feel that he was in a sort of zen-like mood, trying to reach his special Christmas chakra and the only way he could manage it was decorating the tree while shirtless. Now I think this is something that we all need to try. I think we need to tinsel things up without our shirt on. We need to hang the baubles without a shirt on and we need to erect the Christmas fairy on top of the tree without our shirt on. I think this is the only way that we, as lovers of Christmas, can get a zen-like oneness with Christmas. So I implore you today, if you're putting your final baubles or maybe a chocolate Santa's on the tree, take off your shirt and just get one with Christmas. It's been very lovely having you here for the podcast. It's been a wonderful show. Really enjoyed, and we're going to try to put together the Christmas uh, mince pies uh, and uh, get some pictures up on Instagram of the finished articles, the finished, unbelievably easy mince pies, because it's so that the, the actual dough is so easy to make, the pastry dough, is unbelievably easy to make. I mean, that's why they're actually called unbelievably easy mince pies. I mean, it, it and it gives it, this is something that I highly recommend. It gives it this sort of short crustiness that's unbelievable. So for the, for the dough, you basically need one cup of butter, 2.5 cups of plain flour, half a cup of golden caster sugar or any sugar, and you can make your delicious, delicious sort of pastry i mean it is unbelievable because of the the sort of equation of the sugar 
and that butter, it becomes like this short crust type of pastry. And it sort of, it, it hardens, it's beautiful, but it's like a biscuity taste to it. It's highly recommended, along with your mince pie and your mince meat uh, recipe that we talked about earlier on the show. And it makes it easy. Because I'm not very good at cutting out shapes and I have very hot hands to make pastry. You can make this pastry in the food processor and it's so easy to do. So I highly recommend giving that a crack. Um, But anyway, in terms of the show, listening to the show, we have many ways of listening. If you like just the audio version, where it's just me giving a festive dulcet commentary on my rather peculiar eccentric life, then you can listen on Apple Music. Spotify does have an audio version too, but you can listen to Breaker, Slacker, Pandora, iHeartRadio. You can listen on Audible, Amazon Music. So many different ways to listen. I don't know if you heard earlier on, as I poured in the sherry into the mince pies, you heard a bubble and you could hear the bubbly sound of chappy on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese coming from that boozy mixture. It's so wonderful. You can hear it absolutely everywhere. If you like music, though, the Butler Emporium edition, as I said, if you want to listen to the feature, Last Christmas I gave you a cover version of Last Christmas, then uh, the Musical Emporium edition, Butler uh, playlist edition of the podcast on Spotify is the way to go. You can listen to pieces of an anchor as well. But today, some of the music, we have George Michael, Dream of Christmas, Nora Jones, I believe in Father Christmas, Greg Lake, we have some of the jam, we have Josh Groban, some Angela Lansbury, Jamie Cullum, Jeff Goldblum, we have a little bit of Zoe Deschanel, as I mentioned earlier, we have some U2, Prince, Joni Mitchell, Paul McCartney, The Beatles, oh, it's such a fun-packed, festive-packed show. If you really want to uh, make Rudolph's nose light up in Christmas joy and cheer, then listening to the musical edition of the podcast may be the one for you. But coming up next, we do have a Christmas poem. This is Edgar Guess, a friend's greeting. I'd like to be the sort of friend that you have been to me. I'd like to be the help that you've been always glad to be. I'd like to mean as much to you each minute of the day as you have meant old friend of mine to me along the way. I'd like to do the big things and the splendid things for you, to brush the grey out of your skies and leave them only blue. I'd like to say the kindly things that so oft I've heard and feel that I rouse your soul the way that mine you've stirred. I'd like to give you back the joy that you've given me, yet you were wishing you a need I hope will never be. I'd like to make you feel as rich as I who travel on and daunted in the darkest hours with you to lean upon. I'm wishing at this Christmas time that I could but repay a portion of the gladness that you strewn along the way. And could I wish one this year, this only one would be, I'd like to be the sort of friend that you have been to me. The kindest of thanks for listening to the podcast uh, this week and every week. We have two a week. This coming week's going to be a little bit different. Um, so I think we're going to publish definitely one on Christmas Eve and then one earlier in the week. And then uh, we'll publish some towards the new year. Uh, but there'll be two definitely next week. I think one maybe on Wednesday and then one we'll publish on Christmas Eve just to get you in that festive spirit. But until I talk to you again, have a lovely week. Don't stress too much. Enjoy a lovely crumbly mince pie. That'll feel, make you feel so much better. 
But until next time, cheerio for now.